Today on First Lady and Friends, I had a great conversation with Pam Hayes and Jay Francis. They're with an organization called Stand for Kind. They're working in schools and in the communities around the state to take care of our youth by talking about kindness, by talking about anti-bullying and making sure that our kids have the tools that they need and, and the words that they need to be able to overcome some of the problems that we're seeing in our schools. I had a great conversation. Can't wait for you to take a listen. Let's get proximate. We are here on First Lady and Friends this week. We're so happy to have a couple of friends of mine and um, really excited about their organization. It's Pam Hayes and Jay Francis with Stand for Kind. So we want to we want to get into Stand for Kind and we want to learn about your mission and all the things that you're you're working on um, and how it fits uh, with what we're doing. We we love everything about it, um, but we want to we want to talk about you, Pam and and Jay. Let's let's go back. We we had a great meeting at the mansion a few weeks ago. And and just you know got to know you and, and your organization and what's going on. So, but we want to know more about you. So, Pam, we'll start with you. Just talk to me about you. Where'd you grow up? Tell me a little bit about your family. Everything that that you experienced on on your on your journey uh, growing up. I'm from California. I moved here a long time ago, like 20 years ago. Um, we've been here for 20 years. Kids are all grown up here and mm. love it. That's awesome. What does your husband do? Um, so he has a park Canina and real estate is where he goes. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And your kiddos are where are they at now? They're all here. So okay. I have one up at the U, and um, I have an eleven year old, and my son's working. So that's amazing. Jay, I know you have you have a long storied history of uh, here in the state as well, and you've done so many things. But let's let's talk about the very beginnings. I was born and raised in Bountiful. Um, and uh, went to Bountiful High School, went to the University of Utah. Um, and it's fun being here in the KSL studios because I cut my teeth on marketing and, and the ad agency business. And we used to cut lots of radio commercials here and do the audio for TV commercials here. So it's it's kind of, uh, it's changed a little bit. But uh, <laughs> And I, you know, I went from the ad agency business to... Um, uh, Sam Battistone was the first owner of the Jazz. He mm-hmm. brought them from New Orleans in 1979. And from the ad agency, we were doing some work with him, um, and he couldn't pay us. It mm-hmm. was, times were really tough. And he said, but I'll give you all the tickets you want. I'll pay your hard costs. So if there was, if it cost money to run an ad in the newspaper, he paid that, but he didn't pay it. Us, our agency fee. So we got lots of tickets, but there were lots of tickets to give. And, <laughs> there weren't there were many people going there in those was days. Not. It, but uh, and so then uh, Sam moved. Um, a lot of people won't remember this, but Sam moved eleven of the home games to uh, Las Vegas in 1983, oh. uh, thinking that okay, we can reduce the number of home games and fans would be more affordable. We'll play 11 of those home games in Las Vegas, and they're all the Western Conference teams, which we see twice anyway. And so he moved a couple of people down there, and he said, Jay, will you be my marketing director and stay here in Utah? So I came at a really opportune time because the agency had just gone through a a situation where two clients went bankrupt on us. and, Mm -hmm. And so I became the director of marketing for the Utah Jazz in June of 1983. And then Dave Checkett's joined, and in September there were some other promotions. And so 
Um, I was with the Utah Jazz since 1983, um, and we found Larry in April of 1985, mm-hmm. and then he bought the second half in 86. So I was with the Jazz for 25 years and then spent um, um, 13, 14 years with the Miller corporate office and with Gail Miller in the family philanthropy office. Um, so, And that's when I, I became acquainted with Stanford Kind was um, – some gentlemen that I know, um, Bob Linnell, who used to work for the state, and Stan Parrish and Matt Christensen and Bob Henry uh, mm-hmm. were approached by the then jazz bear saying, my daughters are being bullied at school. What mm-hmm. can I do? What can I do with my persona? Or what can... And Bob Henry was aware of a program, and they started putting some things together, and they and they told me, look, we're going to go meet with Gail Miller. And I said, look, there's no budget. You know, don't go meet with Gail Miller. They said, we're meeting with Gail Miller. They came out of there with a check, uh, and they had asked Gail, um, would, they, would she be on their board? And she said, no, but you can have Jay. And so, and that's probably been you know, like eight or nine years ago now, and it, it's, um, it's been a great, great opportunity. It was, was easy. Uh, we had a grandson who, if you were to look at him, you would think he was the bully, but just the opposite. Um, he was bullied and teased because his parents went through a separation, and um, and and he wore his emotions on the sleeve, so it became easy. And so it was fun for us to get involved and see what we could do, uh, both as a family as well as you know, just donate our, our time and, and help what Pam's doing. So. It's amazing. Pam, talk to me about, we, we, this is, you know, it, it starts with this idea of how do we, you know, the anti-bullying and, and how do we get kids, we know that bullying is so damaging and, and you know, before, you know, you know, in the past, and, we, you know, you talk about the 80s, that's when I was going to school and, and growing up and, and, you know, we, there was, obviously there was bullying then, but it, it it's kind of risen to a level now that is, um, it, it's more dangerous. Um, suicide is more prevalent, and you know, self harm, and and a lot of the things that kids are dealing dealing with now, cyberbullying, everything has changed. So, talk a little bit, maybe about you know what was the impetus for this, and and how how did you uh, you know identify this as a, as a need? We started. We met. I met a family that um, their son had completed suicide. Mm-hmm. And the mother came to us and was saying, I wish I would have given him the tools to be able to handle it and to thrive. And it was like an aha moment. We had to create something where we could um, teach kids empathy and how to overcome bullying and how to look at themselves and have that self-care that they need and the confidence to overcome. Yeah, that's, I mean, we, I've seen it so much and, and, you know, we've, obviously we have kids and we've seen it with our kids and, um, what, what do you say to people that, um, that say that, well, this, this should be done at home and this shouldn't be, you know, done in public spaces or, you know, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what, what how do you push back on that? We look at the, um, we just want to provide resources. So if their um, families are teaching them at home, that is fantastic. But some families don't have those resources or those skills. So we want to provide role-playing skills that you can do at home. And then also what we can do in school to teach empathy and kindness. 
and accept everybody. We all have great strengths. We all need to embrace each other, but we want to provide tools home and at school. Yeah, Jade, talk a little bit about, um, you know, maybe even more of, of your experience and how this has come about. Well, one of the, I think one of the great things that Pam and her team provide is is, is that training in the school, but it's, it's you know, student-led and student-focused, but they're all, all the kids are hearing the same thing, not just those who need it or want it, but the bullies are hearing it, those who have been or might be. And, and so it's, everybody's on sort of the same space. And then, you know, as Pam mentioned, it's talked about teaching kindness. The word bullying is not used in their curriculum. Mm. It's really about being kind and being accepting. And so it may touch somebody. You know, you, you can teach it at home. Yeah. And and we we have and other families do. But when they go out and, and get it taught as a group, it makes a, it makes a difference. The other thing is is that Pam has an app mm. and it, it, they track kindness. And so mm. somebody can report acts of kindness mm. and then they're rewarded for that. Mm. You know, because, you know, I saw, you know, John pick up Mary's books or I saw somebody go sit by Mary in the lunchroom and um, so that it rewards kindness and acceptance. But it's um, it, there's just so many degrees of this anymore. You know, yeah. the, one of the early ones that I learned was, you know, basically shunning. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't they didn't have to say a word to, to a student, but it was organized shunning. Interesting. You know, wow. Don't sit by Abby. Don't talk to Abby. Yeah, and and then that that alone feeling is just so crushing. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, I think you know we've seen a, a lot of research on you know just what you're talking about, Jay, about the the loneliness epidemic, Absolutely. and it's not just kids. In fact, um, we're as a country lonelier than we have ever been. And yet, you know, we have so many ways to connect. You know, we we thought that, you know, I think early on, a lot of us looked at social media when it was just coming about and said, this is such a great way for people to connect. You know, I connected with people in my, you know, from high school that, that I hadn't seen in years and, and you know, I was able to kind of figure out where they were and, you know, um, their kids and keep up on things like that. And, and then... And then we started to see this undercurrent of of it wasn't actually helping. So maybe you know, Pam, what what have you seen uh, that and and how is this helping? We're seeing a lot of girls come forward saying they're comparing themselves yeah. online, and that that's really hard. And we don't want to take. I think kids need their phones, their work. You know, if their parents are they're at a club or something where they have to do gymnastics or football, they yeah. they want their phone, but do they need the social media? portion of it so we go through and teach the kids let's look at the positives and let's if we see bullying going on let's report it Mm. and try to limit your time so we talk to them about do you need to be on there 70 hours today let's see if we can limit that and it's amazing we've had a couple of our ambassador groups have taken and tracked how long they've been on it and none of them realized how long they're actually on Mm. instagram or snapchat and so they were kind of coming back okay what can i do for positives and we put it in the students hands so that they could give us ideas on how they control their social media Mm. That's amazing. But. Well, I want to I want to continue this conversation and keep talking about that and, and how it's worked in the schools and how you've gotten in there and, and what, what the response has been. And we'll do that when we come right back. We're back here on First Lady and Friends. We've got Pam Hayes and Jay Francis with the organization called Stand for Kind. Um, Pam, talk 
talk me through how how you've gotten into places. I mean, so you're you're in some schools. Um, where else are you? And what is what exactly does it look like? You know, if if I'm a if I'm a principal at a, at an elementary school, what what does Stanford kind do if they came into my school or if I were able to connect with you? We have different programs available for the school, so we'll look at their needs and see what kind of issues they're having, and then we'll customize the program around the school's needs. So we'll come in and do an assembly, but we really focus with ambassadors, or if they already have clubs going, we can provide curriculum and lessons on kindness, empathy, leadership that the students can use, and they don't have to recreate the will with the school. So if they already have things going, we just fit right in and enhance what they're already doing. And that's been key because schools don't want to have to start all over. They want, And a lot of the programs that are out there are working, and they're working great. They may just need a little bit more information or more curriculum that they, we can add into it to make it really easy for the kids and the teachers. Mm. And then we also do parent trainings. And we have a parent toolkit that goes out to the parents on bullying, suicide awareness, um, empathy, mindfulness, all kinds of different things that they can use. And we have where we come back and we'll work with them quarterly with our ambassador clubs or the clubs that they already have and train the students so that they can go out and train the other students in the school. And it's really important to have that peer-to-peer connection. And we work with the schools on, um, we do PBIS training, which is positive behavior intervention supports for teachers. So we'll look at the teachers and give them mental health and mindfulness training, plus help them with their classroom management. And that piece has been key for our schools. We're doing some with North MP area we love down there and Washington County and some other ones up north. So we have districts all over the state that we're in that we use. Do you find, um, Jay, do you, do you find that they, these schools are, are looking for something to, they, they obviously are seeing this as a problem. Um, are you seeing, you know, is this filling that, that need that, that schools are looking for? Are they coming to you? How's that working? Yeah, um, obviously we have sent out information. We have a waiting list. Yeah, wow. So, um, and one of the things, we, we don't charge the schools, so we're fundraising to be able to provide this, and the legislature has been very generous with us as well, with a, you know, we, and we match what they give plus. And, and so the fact that, you know, we're, the school doesn't have to take it out of their budget. Mm-hmm. They, love, they love us. They, they like Pam's curriculum. We, we can tell when a school has had an incident because Pam's phone starts ringing. <laughs> and, it, you know, that's like being at the bottom of the cliff instead of the top of the cliff, yeah. unfortunately. But, it, but um, so we're out there. We're, um, we're trying to – one of the things I wanted to mention is that what Pam's team does is it's – you know, it's different for high school than it mm-hmm. is for elementary. Right. The messaging and the and the curriculum is is t- differently, and especially in high school with the with the ambassador clubs or the you know there's hope squads out there that another program which is great mm-hmm. and and we just work with them. It's mm-hmm. it's about the kids, not about the program. You know, the training is what's really really important, and that's um, Pam was and her team was so on top of it that when the pandemic hit. Um, you would think, well, they were not in school, so they didn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Well, it got worse. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so, but Pam had stuff available online, and so schools could, could still, you know, send links out okay. to both parents and students so that that training and that, that those helps were still there and still yeah. available. And we, and, you know, we also go to communities. 
and we've been in city council meetings. We've been to community meetings. So it's not just about schools and students, but it's about a, a community coming together and helping uh, to recognize that we need to be more kind. Yeah. Do do you have any pushback on on your efforts from either the community or parents? Or I mean, has there been? We've been very fortunate, and we haven't. We've had different groups look at our curriculum and our programs, and we've been um, accepted in the schools and the communities and the parent with the parents. That's, so that's fantastic. We count our blessings. We want everybody we, just to we, have. Yeah, we the really program. do because we know there are you know. But we also kind of stay to the basics. We don't mm-hmm. get into some fringe areas, and we know that some organizations have been targeted by other parent groups or whatever. And we're really just trying to tell kids. You know, be nice. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> and, uh, and why is that so hard? <laughs> where, but really, truly, where where's the disconnect between, um, you know, I, I just think generally we all want that. But why isn't that happening? Why are we having to teach this directly in, in schools and stuff? Like what's where what's where's the breakdown? I, I, I think a lot of it can, you know, you mentioned it earlier, can be traced back to social media. Mm-hmm. It's it's likes. It's how many people are following me. Mm-hmm. And and so and just like, you know, news media and the more sensational it is, the more people who follow. And and unfortunately, it lives there. Right. Um, when. You know, bullying when I was a kid was a bloody nose, or you, or you had, you know, you got pantsed or something. Yeah. But, but and now, you know, and kids say something about other kids on social media, it lives, mm. and um, and there's just you know, uh, it's so prevalent. I mean, um, they take photos of being at prom mm-hmm. and make sure they send those photos to someone who didn't get asked to prom. Wow. And and they didn't say a thing, right. but it, it it really cut, you know. And those, you know, we're just trying to help kids, parents, teachers, counselors, administration, mayors, yeah. you know. And I think that um, it's it. And when I stop, I think it really goes back to all of us, right? I mean, and things we say in in our daily walks of life and at home, you know, if. If at home, if I'm saying something different, you know, or I'm tearing down a neighbor or talking bad about some, how that's how's that any different than Johnny doing that about Mary at school? Yeah. And so we, you know, as a society, uh, we need to be uh, cognizant of those things too. Yeah, you know, I you talk about you know the behavior that we're modeling at home and and the things that you're seeing what what i think what i have found so disheartening as as my kids are growing up and 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 as we went through you know my kids really were that that first group of experiment and i feel horrible i mean we literally experimented on our kids brains in 2011 12 13 14 that's when we saw this connection between uh, we can look back now and that, now that we have all this data and we're seeing that the the rates of depression and anxiety um self-harm suicide are went almost exactly hand in hand with the advent of social media and and smartphones and having the social media on our on our phones and with us every minute especially with young women but i you know my kids were were right there in that beginning phase and we didn't know honestly you know my my daughter gets really mad at me because she's 16 and i won't let her have social media because the boys did but I, we didn't we didn't you know, know so much more now <laughs> 
So I, I just think it's really interesting, and and the the part that that really disheartened me and what made me want to get involved in in mental health and and helping kids and and um, finding ways to help educators is really that I saw adults on social media, in the news, you know, on cable news, adult leaders, like our nation's leaders, saying the most horrific things about another human and tearing people down and, and you know, creating this, this, this um, environment where kids are watching adults model the most... That's right. Uh, destructive behavior and to me it's i was like i could i couldn't you know as a kid i grew up watching the news my dad you know we we were very you know aware and my dad was very aware of you know we were always aware of current events and and politics and and things like that but that was our duty it was our duty as a a, as a citizen to be a good citizen to really understand what was going on in the world where now i feel like I don't want my kids to see this stuff. So, you know, Pam, talk a little bit about how you're seeing that shift and what what your specific curriculums do, curricula do to counteract that, what kids are seeing and experiencing. We have a whole section on cyberbullying, social media, and I think we have to talk about it as parents, yeah. why we don't want them to have social media instead of just saying, you can't have it. Yeah. Like, And we have to explain the reasons why, because of what we know. I mean, there's more that I'm sure will be coming out as they do um, more studies, but we need to explain to them, and we go through that. And some of the reports and the research that they've done, we explain to the kids, this is why it's so important. This is how your brain, it's fed like almost a drug, yeah. so that you are picking that up, but I think kids don't realize that. They're like, it's my phone. It's just, you know, I'm looking at my neighbor or my friend and my classmate. So explaining and talking through with the kids why it's so important to monitor that, reduce it, or cut it out altogether. Um, We saw a report where a mom said, if my kids can find a study that social media is good for them, I'll let them have it. Well, it's not out there. So (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's how they're, but we still have to explain why it's so, it's what, there's some unknown, but we, what we know now versus when your kids were starting and they could have it. I mean, I think we all were like, oh, look how smart you are. You're on the social media and it's it's amazing, but we just got to really monitor it and reduce it as much as possible. Yeah, no, I agree. And there are stuff out there that's harmful. I mean, it's on our Stand for Crime page on our Instagram. We have to watch who's liking it because they have, there's pictures out there that show up that are not appropriate. you got to just watch yeah. always on Instagram and Facebook and so, Snapchat. So that's – I think yeah. parents don't realize how easy it is to get to kids on predators to get to them and images. Yeah. Yeah, Jay, I, I'm sure you've seen, seen this as well. Well, and, and uh, – you know, Pam talked about parents, and you've mentioned parents, and there's a responsibility there. It's interesting. We were just having this discussion kind of around the family table, and um, my one son, you know, kind of lost it on, on his child and said, <laughs> you know, put that phone away. And then we were talking about it, and, he, and they said, I just wish the schools would not allow them in school. And I said, don't blame the schools. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, we, we kind of tend to blame the, the community, right? Well, if the schools wouldn't let them in, well, then they wouldn't have them. Well, um, yeah, and they have started, which um, is 
it's they found out it's scary, but they they have to turn their phones in at night to mm-hmm. their parents. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they know how to they also know the screen code. Mm-hmm. And so they'll do some monitoring. And the next morning they said, I won't use her name, but you know, Mary, we tell me about this conversation, mm-hmm. you know, because it was pretty scary yep. about some things that her and some friends were saying about another girl and, uh, and some pictures that were being shared. Mm. And, and if you're not monitoring it, you can think, you know, everything's fine in Mayberry. Yep. But, you know, so parents have a responsibility. Yeah. And it's huge. Yeah, and, and I, I think to work work in tandem with the school, for me, I mean, I love a good, you know, where, you know, a good team player. If I can be a good team player with the, with the, with the, you know, my kids' school, with their teachers, with their principals, I do think, I, I think I talk to a lot of teachers that, that are waiting for somebody to give them permission to, you know, principals or superintendents, you know, giving them permission to say, we're, we're just not going to have phones in the school. Um, I think, you know, I, I think a lot of people love to see that, whether we have the wherewithal to do it. Yeah. I think we, I think we could do it. I don't know why we couldn't, <laughs> but I think it's, it's possible, but you're exactly yeah. right. We, we lived for three years in Pittsburgh, you know, on a church assignment. Um, I was still an employee of Larry Miller, but, um, <laughs> And our son went to high school there, just outside of Pittsburgh in Upper St. Clair. And this, that high school had a cell blocker. Yeah. They did not work inside the school. Nor did my phone work in the parking lot when I went to pick <laughs> him up. But, but, just a little bit problematic. But it was a but... little, you know, I, I know some people will say that, well, that's, you know, that's communistic or whatever. But he didn't, he wasn't distracted when he was at school. Well, and also, I mean, the more we learn about what is this doing, what this is doing to our kids' brains, the more research you had, like you talked about, Pam, the more research we have, it's actually equally, if not more destructive than, than like, you know, the tobacco and, and, and we don't allow that in school. We don't allow that to young children. And so that, you know, we've, we've been looking at this from that angle and saying like, actually there's not, it's not unprecedented that we limit access to things that are dangerous to young children. Um, so it's, you know, it's one of those things we're not going to, you know, we used to smoke on planes and that was really dumb and we were all getting lung <laughs> cancer. So like, you know, there's things that we can look back at and think it's, it wasn't a great idea. And when you know better, you do better. So I think it's, it's a big part of it. Um, I want to continue this conversation and talk about what's next for Stanford kind. And we'll do that when we come right back. We're back here on First Lady and Friends with Pam Hayes and Jay Francis with Stand for Kind. Um, I don't think we can have too many organizations working on this together. And I know we have a few in the state and we have a few that are working on this issue, but I don't think that we can have too many. I think this is such a such a big issue. Um, we've talked a lot about social media and we were talking in the break about social media and, and the dangers and the things that we're seeing. Um, I, I check my daughter's phone almost nightly. Um, she plugs it in in the kitchen. Um, if she doesn't, she knows she's <laughs> <laughs> she she may not have access to it the next day. So that's, you know, we've been pretty, pretty stern about that. We always have with our kids. It's always been we, we never have them in the bedrooms and then we've been trying to limit access Um in a lot of other ways, but it's hard. It's It's hard hard. for kids and it's hard for adults. I tell you, I think 
we like to blame this on kids and of course their brains are developing so it is more dangerous but i think there's equally as many adults addicted to to um social media as as children right now and and again like we said modeling terrible behavior and and speaking unkind to each other um, treating each other with contempt if you don't if you don't agree with them. I mean, it's just it's a it's a huge problem. So let's talk about where where you are right now with Stand for Kind, um, your organization. How many schools are you in, and and what's the what's the plan? What's the plan going forward? Is it schools? Is it you know you talked about you're you're in cities and and you know with with mayors and 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 that but what's what's the long-term plan how do we how do we spread this even more uh we're in around 300 schools okay. annually we do between 300 and 400 schools and when you year. say we go into we do a school what does that mean exactly? it's one or more of our programs okay so it could be teacher training student training uh parent training we also have a behavioral threat assessment training that we're mm-hmm. offering now that we have a grant available where we'll um, train the staff on what to do for an active shoot- shooter. So we want to prevent it. And yes. so the training we use is preventative. Okay. Um, our staff teaching and training, uh, we come in and we help them with the positive behaviors, classroom management. So is this to individual? Do you go into the classroom with like you're training individual teachers is this a you t- train the teachers together? we'll train depending on the district we train uh teams that will go back okay. in and train the full staff okay. for their district or we have one-off schools that will just come in and work with the individual teachers and principals and admins okay so we break it up but we really want to customize it based on the needs of the schools statewide what are so when you say the needs of the school so when they call you it's because they've had an incident like what we got a call from a district uh last week saying that words hurt and they're having a lot of uh students making fun of special uh, needs children or racial comments and he goes i need help i need something that we can show these kids that words hurt and they matter and gestures matter so we've um, designed a whole program to come in we're starting in august with this one district on how your words hurt and how everybody empathy and how we all have a talents and traits so we're putting a program based on the issues that they're having that they're seeing in their school and district Mm. So, what kind of? I mean, I'm assuming you're keeping data to to show how your program's working. I come from a special ed background. We always have to keep data. You have to have data. <laughs> so, and we um, help the schools. We were just in Washington County. We're pulling their data, looking at different things because we're going to be doing PBIS with them and different trainings. So, we look when we go to a school, we'll look at office referrals, mm-hmm. um, the classrooms and the teachers where they're coming from the referrals. And uh, their special uh, special needs kids, where they are 504s, if, do they need extra help? Where do we see if there's any disconnect there, too? So we look at all the data, and we run it quarterly, and we'll ha- we have those reports to say, okay, it's working here. We've seen a decrease in bullying incidents. We've seen a decrease in office referrals okay. and suspensions. So. Yeah, that that's incredible. Again, you gotta you got to track this stuff to see you you know, to. what's working and what's not. Um, 
Are there any other type programs that you that you're seeing working as well in in these schools? Are you seeing? I mean, for me, it's like, okay, if you're having a problem with kids with disabilities and then making fun, like, we got to get Unified Sports in there, right? Right. And so, Dustin <laughs> and Unified Sports, we, we need them at E for A combined yes. everybody together, and we look at it that way. We look, it takes a village. So, all the nonprofits out there, programs that are out there, we want to combine it and just give the schools everything they can. That yeah. just bring it on cause so that they can take care of those issues. What do you say to people, because I get this a lot, what do you say to people that say, um, this is taking you know too much time in our schools, we need to focus on academics. Um, how, do you, how do you counteract sort of that, that argument or that message? If a student doesn't feel safe going to school, they're never going to succeed academically. Yeah. So it goes hand in hand. Behavior should actually be taught first. Before they learn their one, two, threes. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it used to be you'd, you'd fake a stomach ache, right, not to go to school. But, you know, if kids, I don't, I don't want to face those, those girls anymore. I don't want to face that kid. And so they'll ditch class or they'll, they'll stay home. And, and too many of them you know, come from, you know, one-parent homes. Yeah. And some of the parent has gone to work, and then, and so it really it affects everything about their whole school opportunities. Um, if they're not a, if they don't feel safe, if they don't feel welcomed, if they don't feel included. Yeah. What do you what do you what do you say that to people that push back again? I'm just sure. de- devil's advocate here, but what do you say? Because it's all the things I hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what do you say to people that we need to teach kids resilience? How do we teach resilience as it relates to some of the stuff what we've been talking about? I know that you know we have to be kind. We have to. How do we teach kids to to be resilient? Be resilient through maybe some of these struggles that they're having. We work with the schools, so uh, we have a program called Protect Your Pack for our elementary kids, mm-hmm. and we teach them that they have to look out for each other. We're a family. So they learn how to step up for the student that may be sitting by themselves at lunch or isn't playing with anybody at school. So we go through and teach them, but we model and we show stories, and we talk about different people that have gone through it and where they're at now. But we really want to start with our elementary kids on the resiliency and kindness and then move on to our teen, middle, and high schools. But we have our lift program for our high schools where it's lift your fellow teen. We have we train the students. We have lessons on resiliency. We have different speakers that come in with different stories. But we have activities that they can do throughout the year to really build their community and their culture. Mm. I love that. Yeah, and I think I think resilience is different, maybe different today than you know what I mean. What is that definition? Sometimes yeah. we use these words, and maybe right. we're not always working from the same definitions. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a father just saying, "Oh, just buck up, just you know, punch him in the nose." Or, well, it's different, yeah. and and resilience comes through um, maybe teaching that individual how to be more kind themselves, mm-hmm. and they experience it, and that, so when maybe they get a, a negative comment. They, they know how to feel a little bit different, but it's you know, it's the, the old school. You know, just, just buck up. Yeah, and and I think we get in trouble a little bit with that sometimes. You know, some of us that that kind of grew up in that way of thinking, and we had parents that said, you know, you'll be fine. I mean, it, honestly, it wasn't all that healthy in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, and you have to, you know, um, I just, I got some training, you know, through 
some leadership during the, with the LDS Church. You know, and, and unfortunately, I had to conduct a, a couple of funerals with, mm. with suicides. Mm. And you, you have to be very, very careful because um, you, you say too many kind th- – I mean, you, you say kind things. Yeah. But there are others that are sitting there saying, this is how I can get someone to say something nice about me. Yeah. And so you have to be very, very careful um, and because – they're looking. They're they're looking for somebody to say nice things. We all do. Yes, we want those I mean, connections. You know, if if Gail Miller's when I was working for her said something positive and said thanks, Jay. You know, I floated home. Yeah, I didn't walk. I didn't. <laughs> you know, and we all want that. Yeah, and um, and I see it. You know, in working with. And now I work with the Chamber of Commerce, and I see small businesses. They're just looking for a little recognition, even in the business world. Yeah. And, and, and we're all looking for that. So if we get that, that's how we can build resilience. Yeah. It's just a little, a little positive comment. A little, a little confidence. A little that, mint under the yeah, pillow, right? Yeah. I mean, and just the opposite just tears them down. So. Yeah. Yeah. We've started our ambassador club, and we call it our state club because so a lot of schools, you can't be on clubs if your grades are down or your mm-hmm. attendance is down. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the kids that need that connection the most. So kids, schools can send students to us that may be um, struggling in academically or their attendance, and they can join our ambassador club, get the training. And we've seen 100% of those kids come back with their grades up and in school, and they're leading. Mm-hmm. And then they do clubs in their own school because they want to keep the things going. And we do summer camps. But we want to open it up and give every child a connection Amazing. so they have those friends it's important that we yes. keep each have each other's back so. it's very important i mean i don't I, I you know i'm asking these questions and kind of pushing back but just really i i i believe in your mission you know obviously it show up we're, we're trying so hard to to, to also push this message out of of just you Thank know you. kindness compassion i mean the, we've got to teach our children to be compassionate to be uh, willing to to stand up for those that need us and and it's a big deal and you grow up in this world and and to be a a human as an employee or a business owner that that is kind and compassionate and and, and to ha- to be that way with your employees i mean we want this society our society this next generation to to be um better than we were and they Absolutely. are they're so much better than we were i i just think they're they've they've got it they're they have it in their DNA to, to be that kind of compassionate person. Pretty much so. And we're talking mental health now. I don't yeah. I mean, we didn't before. And so yeah. it's so great that kids know coping skills. Yes. And they know how to, oh, I'm having a panic attack, or this is anxiety, and this is how we deal with it. Or if a friend's having a panic attack, they know how to jump in and help. Yeah, that's so exactly that's, right. And the, and the more we talk about it, the better it is. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're so grateful to you and for, you know, Jay and Pam for being here for, for, um, for the work that you're doing, it matters. It really matters. And we're saving lives. You guys are saving lives every day. So we appreciate that. And, and we're all in this together. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks. To learn more, you can go to standforkind.com. Thanks for being a friend.